Welcome to the second episode of Fostering Creation. I'm your host, Barbara Foster. Last week, I shared the first section of my book, Always Free in Beauty. I shared stories about my family, specifically my parents, and a story about my dog, Major. Today, I will continue the reading of my book, If you like what you hear and would like to get your own copy of my book, head to my website, fosteringcreation.com. Also on my website is an online store where you can purchase Fostering Creation note cards made by yours truly. All photos were taken by me on my handy dandy iPhone and by my sister, who used a professional camera. And the newest thing on my website is an established podcast page. Head to the podcast tab in the menu so you don't miss an episode, or share this with your friends. Okay, on to the reading. In today's episode... I will be reading the next section of my book. It's called Incubator Life on the Road to Freeing Beauty. This is a very personal section for me, and I'm sure it will touch a lot of people that have had similar experiences with these topics. And I ask that You listen at your own discretion. If any of this is triggering or uncomfortable for you, please listen at your own discretion. Thank you. But I'm very happy to share this section with you. It will be split into several little parts, as it is a rather long section. So I shall read a few stories from it today. Here we go. Incubator Life on the Road to Freeing Beauty Home Standing alone while the world speeds by Standing alone while the world rushes past The world races around, flits and floats. People, the world, drive and move. They trudge along and push through. They talk at 50 miles an hour and type even faster. They go, they move, and they don't stop moving. They know things and see things and say things. They go and they go and they go. I stand still. I can't process my own thoughts. There's too much noise around me. I try to block out the noise with music that sounds pleasant in the moment, but the noise grows. Now there is noise outside, around me, and inside me. I can't digest my feelings. There's too much feeling around me. I try to help someone else because it seems like that's all I can do. I'm worried that if I try to understand my feelings or let them out a little, 
then more chaos would be brought to the world. I don't want to be the cause of an eruption of chaos or discomfort. So I get up and show someone I'm here. I grab as much self-esteem as I can carry and head out to the races of the world. Then it gets too hard. I listen to music to pacify my growing feelings and watch TV until my body shuts down for the night. Now, there is feeling happening outside, around me, and inside me. I wake up, and through the blur of social media, I enter another day. Standing alone. Standing alone while the world seems to continue spinning. I am lost. I do not know the world. But I watch it flash by each day. I am lost. Disconnected from the world and out of touch with myself, I do not know what I mean when I say myself. Who am I? How can I be so out of touch? How can I feel so lost while still seeing the world around me? Why has this strange, uncomfortable feeling of being disconnected from everything become something that is so familiar to me. Frustration, disappointment, and outrageously annoying do not begin to describe how it feels to be disconnected. Holidays come and go, but I still feel lost. The bright stories that play on the TV screen become temporary nourishment for my twisted stomach, my buzzing head, and my weary heart. I fit right into the world, the one that has no idea the other, what the other feels, and I melt into the TV. While I watch the sparkling stories that someone else wrote, I can forget about myself. I don't even have to know what myself means. I can just watch a made-up life on a screen. But when it's over, I turn quickly to social media. Then it all comes back. The world that rushes by and moves too fast for me to process my own thoughts and digest my own feelings. The world that makes me feel so very lost. Home. I want to go home. I want to feel at home. When? When will I be able to come home? When will I be able to really feel at home? When will thought become clearer and grounded? When will feeling become steady and aligned with everything? Though I stand alone among a world of chaos, I hope one day I won't feel alone, because my head, heart, and body will come home. I will be home, but I'm not home yet. Wrestling with my dark heart. I have feelings about my feelings. I have feelings about a situation, and how I feel about myself in the situation. I have feelings about a conversation, 
when I'm in a conversation and how I feel I felt in the conversation. I have feelings about how I spoke in the conversation and what the other person may have thought about me. Though I may seem composed at times, and though I want to be composed all the time, I'm always boiling over with feelings. Starting in middle school, I not only boiled over with feelings, but they started to get hot. I would boil over with feelings and an intense heat would rise. This heat spread like a virus through my body. This heat that spread through my body would then pulse out into the world. These boiling over hot feelings that were too hard to suppress would grow cold like ice as I realized that all my hard to suppress boiling over feelings made people retreat and step lightly around me. Because of this treatment, the icy sadness would erupt back into a heat so outrageous that nothing felt good. Nothing made sense. I would boil over about the boiling over feelings. I would boil over about the pulsing and about how that made others feel. I would boil over about how they would react toward me. I boil over about the heat of it all and that I have boiling over feelings. Is your head spinning? Do you feel uncomfortable as I read this? Yeah, me too. Somehow, I've survived through it. I've lived to tell the story. So hang on while I share with you. Or don't. It's up to you. Middle school to high school, I fought with myself even further. It was already so intense. It couldn't possibly get worse. But it got kicked up about four notches as high school approached. Soon, those high school days seemed to smack me in the face. Then, for four years, I became wildly self-deprecating as I pushed through high school. The boiling over hot and cold feelings became harder to manage. There were no outlets that could help me channel everything sufficiently and quickly enough. Since there was no time for a decent outlet during the day, I'd stay up until the early hours of the morning. I'd blow off as much steam as I could by listening to music, thinking about everything, and watching TV. I'd stay up until 2, 3, or 4 in the morning. Sometimes I'd stay up all night. I'd stay up until my body would turn off without my permission. From those early high school days, I completely abandoned myself. I surrendered to the intense thoughts and feelings. Sleep and downtime no longer existed. I thought that I'd get in trouble at the drop of a hat for just existing with a forever bursting heart. This would bring in a harsh winter. My heart a blazing wildfire, and my face the picture of a dark winter. Tears would fall like icicles as my heart and mind would burn together. As life and situations presented themselves, 
so did the boiling feelings, and the boiling about the boiling over feelings. I would boil about everything. No wonder I struggled to breathe fully and with ease. I was suffocating myself with all this emotion. I was strangled by the boiling over feelings about the world and about people. I was sinking under the weight of everything. It never seemed to end. Since the beginning of my primary school days, I wrestled with myself. I've fought with God. I grappled with the greater good, love, joy, and with life. With every passing year, I would scare more people and friends, and love seemed harder to hold on to. Eventually, death seemed to tempt me. I thought about and played with, with the idea of what that would do for me. These ideas of death turned quickly into suicidal feelings. Then, my ice-cold, fiery heart got dragged to college. Simultaneously, things got harder, and so much better. Although, at the time, it felt like things just got worse. Love felt more distant, God made less sense, and the boiling feelings burned me alive. I would often wish I could be a robot, so I wouldn't have to feel anything. Then, I would be able to fit into the tame world. But by college, that seemed impossible. Death became harder to escape from. While I fought with this, I slowly found things that kept me afloat. Things that taught me how to breathe. Things that taught me how to love. Things that saved my life. One thing that did this for me was theater. My professors, although they were not superhuman or superheroes, they were my heroes. They showed me all the avenues and possibilities of theater. They met me where I was in the dark and said, hey kiddo, you're all right. Take a breath. There's more to you than the dark. They taught me how to open up to love, how to love others, and myself. They talked me through why I needed to be kinder to myself and love myself as it related to my schoolwork. They listened to me, and I felt heard on a deep level, a level I only thought existed in my dreams. And they saved me by expressing inexhaustible, unconditional love. But most of all, they showed me how I can save myself. I soon made new friends who were just as wonderful. There were many people that took me under their wing and who guided me to joy and a better version of myself. I wanted to marinate in all of it, but I couldn't. The kindness felt like a hoax. I was hyper aware of how some were uncomfortable by how I showed up and all I was wrestling with. It was confusing to my ego why these lovely people were standing by me. I would remember past looks from people, some that may have lasted for only a moment. I remembered things some would say in their discomfort, 
some things only said once. These voices and glances played in my head. They became weapons. I would bring the past into the present and the future. I relived it, and it would distort the kindness that these new people were expressing. I would get confused. I would get more depressed. I would boil over about all the heavy feelings I experienced and the kindness I saw others expressing towards me. I do not deserve this, I thought to myself. Why couldn't they see that I'm a menace to society? What made them want to stand by me? I wondered to myself. I would often ask others what they thought. Some didn't understand why I needed to ask, and in my continuous asking, they would soon leave. I would understand that. Others wouldn't understand why I needed to ask, and in my continuous asking, they would stay. And perhaps they'd get closer. This I did not understand. This made love even more confusing, and I wrestled with love even more. My mind exploded with questions. Why do they love me? Seriously, why? Why do they stay? Why are they sometimes uncomfortable by my actions, but they stay? Would it really be heartbreaking if I gave in to the temptation of an early death? I wrestled with the very young child my parents would tell me I used to be. The little girl that would sit on the bow of daddy's boat and laugh as the waves would splash the side of the hull. The little girl that would run on the beach, fall into the sand, and without brushing it off, would keep running. I didn't know that child. I couldn't believe that I had once expressed such joy and freedom. I fought with that younger version of myself and the menace I felt I had become. It didn't make sense, but mostly it didn't feel good. I tried to control all my feelings. It hurt and ate away at my energy. Somehow, though, I made it work. In public places like the classroom, the bathroom became my safe zone. When the thoughts were exploding inside my head like fireworks and the emotions rising like lava, my efforts to suppress it all would begin to burst at the seams. When the firework thoughts would get louder and the icicle tears would begin to sting, I would calmly ask to go to the bathroom. It was always a relief when I had the place to myself. Since there was so much ice and fire inside me, and I felt pressure to get back to where I was expected to be in a timely manner, I could never release all the feelings completely. But after letting some of it out, I was able to be a semi-functioning human for the duration of where I needed to be. Though my mind still filled with questions and ached for answers, the boiling was capped. I tried to seal it for as long as I could, until I was able to be alone again. Teachers and other adults might think I was sweet, shy, and quiet. I'd lose my voice when I would speak to them, 
or even just standing in front of them, I would quake in my shoes, always afraid that I'd get in trouble for being me and for having big emotions. I did not understand how these people thought I was quiet or shy or sweet. Seriously? Everything inside me felt so very loud. Why couldn't they see this? How was I not able to show that? For a long time, I used to berate my acting and performing abilities. But as I read this now, I guess I've been a great performer all my life. I felt that some friends and family were uneasy around me because of my intense feelings. As I would gauge their feelings and how my feelings made them react, I would get lost in the frustration of how I felt like I was too much. I would gauge every look and hang on every word. I would compare and measure myself against friends, peers, family, and their body language. I was in the fight of my life. I can tell you that the person I'm writing, reading about is not the same person who is reading this. I have come a long way. Though I may feel these experiences as I read them, I can no longer go back. The past no longer thrills me. During my college years, there was something else that started to really save my life. Writing journaling, and the brave souls who were willing to be with me while I scribbled in my journals. They did not try to fix me. They saw my wrestling and raised me a healthy debate. Their body language, smiles, and steadfastness said, no matter how hard you push or fight with yourself, I will be here. You can never scare me or push me away. I have signed up to be your friend. Deal with it. Accept it. You can't make me go anywhere. As the temptation of surrendering my life to death grew, and I asked questions about it, those same brave friends answered with steadfastness once again. And so did my professors. They constantly reminded me and encouraged me. We see the life inside you. We want to see more. We cannot save you, but don't break our hearts. Please, do not give up your life. Our lives have been made richer because you exist as you are. We want you to do well and to live a life that's full. Please don't end it. You will get through this and we are here for the long haul. I hated taking baby steps in my life because it made me feel twice as weak. I wanted to make an immense amount of progress immediately and passionately hated that I couldn't. Though I felt this, I knew that the little things were not nothing. Here's how I figured that out. The little moments of encouragement from friends and professors meant everything to me. 
While I was working to convince everyone that I wasn't worth being seen because I felt like I was too much, too emotional, and too dark, my friends and professors ever so gently tapped at my light. They got to know what I liked, what made me tick, and how to pull me back to earth when I would get boiled in my own feelings. They saw me drift in thought and brought me back to reality and to the good. They requested I keep things simple and not be so hard on myself, but they didn't treat me simply. I saw the love they had for me reflected in their eyes, and I saw their hope for me too. I never felt like a frail child when I was around them, and eventually I began to believe it for myself. I was very unhappy about graduating from college because I wanted to be a totally different person, and I wasn't. Once I got used to being in college with all the care I received, it was painful to leave. It was painful to have to brave the world as myself on my own, but I've written, processed, and written some more over the course of four years. These last four years, I've processed not only five years of college, but who I've been, how I've behaved, and how others have felt about me and my feelings over the course of about 18 years. Due to the intensity of all my experiences, how much has happened over the years, and how quickly life has moved, processing it all has been slow. As I've worked through all of this, I've grown into a more mature version of my lively childhood self. I'm starting to come back to joy, to freedom, to harmony. I'm embracing love and life. I'm starting to enter the land of the living. And above all, I'm starting to find peace. I will never stop delighting in this newfound peace, and I will forever express my profound gratitude for my professors, the friends, both new and old, and the family members that never judged the dark for a moment. Instead, they stood with me in the dark. By digging for the light in me, they allowed me to be my own savior. Now, that I'm coming home, I want my friends to know that I'm here for them. I see their light and good nature. I see their beauty and profound ability to love. I love them for everything they are and everything they will become. Though I will always be working through my boiling feelings, they will not deter me from being grounded. I am grounded for myself and for my friends, always. So, give me what you've got that's messing with your mind. Give me what you've got that's overthrowing your heart. You can't scare me. I'm here for the long haul. Crossing the Great Divide There's been a bridge intersecting childhood and womanhood. For a while, my body has been sitting 
on the womanhood side of the bridge. It has taken my mind and heart a little while longer to cross the bridge. Body has been sitting on the other side, waiting and waiting and patiently waiting. Mind and heart stood on the opposite side. Heart clung to the railing of childhood. Mind stood behind her. I can't do this, heart called to body. Please, just come, body yelled back. I promise you'll be okay. It's not safe, mind insisted. Yes, it is safe, body said. I've been safely waiting over here for forever. Womanhood will not kill you, so get a grip. I do have a grip, Hart shouted. On the childhood side of the bridge, Body scoffed. Yes, of course, the best side of the bridge, Hart chuckled nervously on the verge of tears. Uh, we can't do this, Mind hollered. Yes, you can. Body yelled. You just cross the bridge. Childhood and adolescence will be in your memory, but you cannot stay in the past. So please, take a step forward. I need you. You need me? Mind inquired. Yeah. I need you to make wise choices for me, and for us, Body said. Choices about what we eat when we sleep, and the person we want to become. We are a complete being, but we cannot function if we don't act like a unit. Do you need me? Hart asked angrily, feeling jealous. Yes, of course, Body said. You keep things going with your big dreams and creativity. You pump life into the system. You are a big part of the unit. But you must cross the bridge into womanhood. Heart clung tightly to the railing of childhood. Okay, but I don't feel like a woman. Can I cross the bridge and still be a girl? You could, Body said. That's fine if you think of yourself that way. Technically, though, you already are a woman. For several years, you've been a woman, whether you feel like it or not. However, I need you, and you too, mind, to cross the bridge. I can't live life without you. No, 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 Hart slammed on the railing. I need to stay here. Why, Body insisted. Uh, it's not safe. Mind repeated. You see, the bridge is made of wood, and if the wood breaks, then we could fall through. Then we'd have to run and try to jump off the cliff to cross the other side. That's even more unsafe. So we'll just stay here. Uh, sorry. Body tensed. Oh my gosh. If you cross the bridge, then you won't have to jump across the cliff. So just cross the fucking bridge. The world is moving along. 
Life is moving along, and I can't wait for you losers anymore. No, Hart screamed. Why? Body screamed back. Because, Hart yelled. Because why? Body hollered. Why? Why can't you just cross the fucking bridge and help me out? Because I'm not good enough, okay? I'm not good enough to be a woman. I can't do it. There's too much expectation. There's too much responsibility, pain, heartache, and irrational hope. I'm just never pretty enough, hard-working enough, and in all other ways, good enough to be a woman. So, no. Heart faltered, tears streaming down. I won't cross the bridge. I can't cross the bridge. The breeze swept up the leaves and woke up the trees. Hart still held the railing, but she couldn't stand anymore. Body took a breath for Hart and herself. Now she understood. She took another breath and gently said, It's okay, Hart. You can be scared. I'm scared too. It's scary being on this side without you, but I had no choice. Growing up was just something I had to do, but I'm deeply malnourished, tired, and bored. I need your love, Hart. I've missed you so much. Mind, I miss you too. Please, cross over. Uh, I don't know, Mind hesitated. I can't leave Hart alone right now. I miss you too. It would be nice to be a unit, but I'm not unit material. I mean, I mean, I could be, but I just can't. I mean, I feel similar to Hart. I'm not smart enough to be a woman, confident enough, or fast enough. I'm just not cut out for it. I'm not fully equipped. I need to know so much, preferably everything, before I can think like a real woman. One who's mature, who can make wise choices, one who doesn't get flustered easily, or who cowers at love and life. I'm sorry. I'm afraid I'll never be able to live up to the standards of womanhood. Very sorry. Body sat motionless, staring blankly across the bridge. The water below sparkled and reflected pockets of light. The clouds rolled over the blue sky like a cartoon and the breeze continued to play with the trees. Heart and mind commiserated on the childhood side for a while. They had outgrown this side of the bridge long ago, but they could not bear to cross the divide. They wrestled with themselves and each other for years. Every once in a while, calling across the bridge to body to apologize. 
We're sorry, they said. Exasperated, Body yelled back, Yeah, I bet you are. We are, Hart said. Um, we just need more time, Mind added. You said that four years ago, Body clenched her fists. You say that every damn year. More time, please, Hart said helplessly. One day, I will be dead, Body said. And, in fact, I could drop dead any time now. So by all means, just stay stuck on the other side. I don't need you. It's fine. At some point, each year, Mind would force Hart into a serious conversation. They'd look at Body on the other side, lying flat on her back, looking up at the sky, motionless. This year, the conversation was harder to ignore. Heart, mind began, each year, Body's condition gets more serious. Her need for attention, wise, mature, balanced, loving attention, becomes more evident. This life is moving along. It has been for a while. Do we really want to keep coasting through the world like this? No, we don't, Hart said reluctantly. But, but what? Mind wondered. But it's just, just what? Mind urged. It's too hard and scary and hard and I don't want to do the work. But you do want to do the work, Mind said. I know you want to. You've wanted to for a while. Hart heaved a sigh. I want to appear less childish nor grown up to others. I want to feel and be authentic without feeling like it's dumb or that I'm small or that the space I take up in the world isn't a waste. I want that so badly. But... Being a woman just feels wrong. It feels too big for me. It feels far-fetched. The word itself just doesn't sound right or feel right coming out of our mouth. I get that, Mine said. I can't even think the word without cringing. But womanhood is here. According to our birth certificate, we are well into, you know, womanhood. Ugh, I know. I know. I know, but also, no, Hart exclaimed. It's too much. It's all too big. I know we've neglected body for years. I feel really badly about that. But crossing the Great Divide could be a disaster. No, actually, it will be a disaster. Hart, mine said, sitting close. It's already been pretty close to disastrous. I mean, look at Body. She's not doing so well. Feel Body. Get quiet for a second. How does Body feel? After a moment, Hart jumped up and started pacing. She's really hungry, unsatisfied, and barely hanging on. But, you know, somehow, she seems to be kind of fine. 
So let's just go. Go? What? Mine said anxiously, grabbing heart. Kind of fine. Is that what you just said? That's not okay, Hart. She's not fine, alright? She's not even kind of fine. And you know what? I'm not kind of fine either. I can't even think straight, I'm so tired. And you are definitely not fine. You've been all over the place for years. You know, now that I think about it, I have no idea how we have survived this long. Some friends have said we're strong. But I don't know anymore. How did this happen? How did we get here? Where are we exactly? Nothing makes any sense anymore. Mine began to cry. Whoa, Hart said. Wow, you are tired. Why don't you just sit down and watch this movie and I will be right back. Wait, where are you going? Mine said in distress. Don't leave me here alone. I won't. I mean, I'm not. I'll be right back. You watch that movie and I'll be back before it's over. Hart walked to the bridge. She looked at the sparkling water. The sky, the clouds, the light that danced down below, and Bonnie looking haggard on the other side of the bridge. Hart sat down. She sat quietly for a while. She felt the weight of her emotions, of mine's many thoughts, and of Bonnie's exhaustion. I'm really sorry, she whispered. I don't know why I can't get it together. I know lots of hearts that have managed to beat from childhood to adulthood with no problem. They may still get scared, but they seem to be able to do things without getting sucked into the dark. And if they do get sucked into the dark, they are really good at not looking defeated. Rolling over to face heart, Bonnie said, how do you know that? Hart looked up and stared straight at Body from her side of the bridge. She replied, It just feels that way. Everyone knows when I'm scared or distressed or uncomfortable. I make it so painfully obvious and I hate it. Other people seem to just mask how they feel. They paint a big smile on their face and tell me to be happy too. So, I don't want to cross the bridge if I have to fake it till I make it. Or practice inauthenticity. So don't, Body said, sitting up. I like the way you beat. There's nothing wrong with the way you are. Thanks. Hart said shyly. But I don't know. There's still so much more that holds me back. I wonder if I'll be strong enough to last through a full-time job for more than a few months, or take care of a future house, or even an apartment, and the bills, and make sure to get enough food, but not too much that it spoils. I wonder how to do that.
and maintain relationships in life, especially when they are so far away. I wonder how every woman on screen or actress on stage or women in business find the strength to get up each day and go to work. How do they do that? I don't know, Body said. I guess they just really want it or really need it. So they just do it. Sometimes you just have to do it. Like eating, for example. Sometimes you just have to put some kind of meal together and eat it. Sometimes you just have to get in bed, close your eyes, and sleep. You just do it. Okay, okay, geez, heart snarls. I get it. I'm really sorry I abandoned you for so long, but facing you, body, meant having to cross the bridge. I just couldn't do it. Sometimes I can't even handle being a girl. Would you rather be a boy? Body asked timidly. I mean, I guess, well, it feels a little late for me, but I could get surgery if you wanted. Oh, no, no, whoa, no, Hart exclaimed. Please don't do that. That's not necessary, like, at all. I like being a girl. You don't have to change, body. I mean, sometimes I wish you had slightly bigger breasts and that you weren't so tall. What's the matter with small breasts and being tall? Body observed herself, uncomfortably. I just don't like it. Heart, Body exclaimed. And sometimes, Heart said gently, I wish you didn't have to go through a reproductive cycle. Oh, yeah, I wish that too, Body said. Heart said, but mostly, I wish I wasn't so embarrassed about it. You're embarrassed about it? Body asked. Yeah, I am. I'm embarrassed about how I've shown up so far, and many other things. I wish I wasn't, and I wish I hadn't been so childish, slow, and all over the place. Hart sighed. But I was. I can't take any of it back. That sucks. It really sucks. It does suck. But what are you going to do? What else can you do? You can't go backwards. I know, Hart said impatiently. Buddy didn't take offense. She shrugged it off. And you can't stay where you are much longer. So where does that lead you? Forward, Hart said, cringing. Yeah, Body said, just one step. One step forward. That's all it takes.
This concludes the reading for today. Tune in next week for the next few stories of this section. Thank you for listening and being part of this creative space here at Fostering Creation. I look forward to sharing more with you next time. Be sure to check out fosteringcreation.com for the podcast page so you don't miss an episode. And check out the website for all of the other creative things I've got going. From me at Fostering Creation to the creation you cultivate today, have a great day. Thank you.